it's very interesting that if you take a look at the church today, there's so much expression out there. But from back in the Bible days, there has always been two types of people that have been prominent. They've been, you see this type of person in the church. Back then you see it and you still see it today. And we love everybody, both sides. Are you with me? And we'll get to it, into it this evening. We love both sides, both, both expressions. But the truth is, is that Jesus loves each and every one of us so much. And we need all of God. Are you guys with me? We need all of God. I desire to experience God in every way possible. To experience the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in every way possible. If there is more to know about him, I desire to know him. If there is more to learn about him, I want to learn it. Are you guys with me? That's our, that should be our desire, to know him and to walk with him and to desire him. If, the, if you have a desire to be filled by the Holy Spirit, you have to be thirsty. The Bible says that if you're thirsty, you'll be filled. You have to be thirsty to be filled by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how today so many people in the church don't even know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the most wonderful person. He's the part of God that's here on earth right now. He's the part that we have fellowship with, that we have communion with, that we get to know. Jesus told his disciples that he would not leave them alone, that he would send the helper who is the Holy Spirit and told him that the Holy Spirit told him that the Holy Spirit would, would be just like he was, that he would be their comforter, that he would be their teacher, that he would be their helper. He would become a friend, a companion to them. What's amazing in the church, though, is that when we get to see God move, the, the, one, the one side that, that has a desire to see the presence of God, the power of God, sometimes we get a little bit carried away with the power. And then on the other side, there's another, there's another school of thought or another camp, if you want to call it that, that has a desire for knowledge and, and wisdom. And wisdom and knowledge are not bad. They're good. It's good. Wisdom and knowledge is good. But, but wisdom and knowledge that isn't God's wisdom and knowledge is not going to be eternal. It's, it's just temporary. As wonderful as it may seem, it, it doesn't go into eternity. Whereas the wisdom of God is eternal. But you'll always see in the church these that have this desire for wisdom and knowledge. And then you'll see on the other side a group that desires to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Nothing wrong with signs, wonders, and miracles. Nothing wrong with wisdom and knowledge. All these things we need. But there is something that Paul wanted us to know. There is something that Jesus wanted to reveal to us. I believe the message that I have for you tonight, which is entitled, The Power of God. <laughs> it's very funny. Just because they're here, it's just hilarious. <laughs> that I'm preaching on the power of God. Okay, so God has a great sense of humor. Okay, so, but I'm going to be showing you something about the power of God tonight that maybe you've never seen. Something that I believe is so vital to us walking and experiencing the power of God. So let's go to Acts 8, verse number 9. We'll pick it up over here. Philip has been to Samaria, and when he was in Samaria, God began to move extremely powerfully. This is in the early church, right at the beginning. The, the gospel goes to Samaria with, with Philip, and while he's there, the, the Bible talks about 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 healings that take place and demons that scream and, and there's great joy in the city. It sounds amazing. It sounds like revival. And this is an expression that the church needs to experience. Always. It should be a part of what we do. Seeing God move should be a, a part of what we do. But something really interesting happens in the midst of this revival taking place in Samaria. Acts 8, verse number 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. 
to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And he heeded him. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself, the sorcerer now, also believed. And when he, had, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. So while Philip's preaching, Simon the sorcerer is there and he sees Philip doing these amazing signs and wonders. He sees the power of God. Now remember, the people in the city used to believe that he was the great power of God. And when he saw Philip come, he realized that this power was like no other power he had ever seen. And it, was, it drew him, it drew him to salvation, to the point where he even began to follow Philip. He even got baptized. It's good when sorcerers get baptized, amen. So we see him immediately that he, be, he gets baptized and, and he's, he's, he's beginning to, to, to you know, follow Philip, almost like becoming sort of like, not necessarily a disciple, but following Philip everywhere he goes, watching what Philip's doing, seeing the signs, the miracles that are taking place. While all of this is going down, word of what's taken place in Samaria gets to Jerusalem. And so the guys in Jerusalem send the big guns down to town. Take a look. It says in verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Everybody look at me. You must understand that salvation had come to Samaria. People were being saved, people were being baptized, people were being delivered. That's what the Bible says. But what happens is the apostles find out about what's taking place. They go down to Samaria, and then the Bible says that they laid hands on them that they may receive the Holy Spirit. So there was more of the Holy Spirit that had to be poured out on the people in Samaria. All of this is taking place. And while all of this is taking place, Simon is watching. And while he's watching, his desire for this power is increasing. Is there anything wrong with desiring the power? <laughs> no, not really. There's nothing wrong with desiring the power. Desiring to be used by God is a wonderful thing. But you see, you must understand that the power comes from somewhere. The power is released from a source that, that, that starts somewhere. The root of this power comes from somewhere. And this is what I want to share with you this evening, because I don't believe Simon understood this. And so he was intrigued by the signs and the wonders. And so much of the church is like this today. We are intrigued with the signs and the wonders. And we follow the signs and the wonders. We go from conference to conference. We go from different church to different church. We see that preacher, there's signs and wonders. We go over there. We see this one, we go over here. We follow the signs. Now again, there's not necessarily anything wrong with desiring to be in a place where God is moving. Nothing wrong with that. But make sure that the root of your worship is going in the right direction. Now watch. So the apostles come into town. They lay hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Simon is seeing this take place. And when he sees this, it becomes almost too much for him. The, verse, the Bible says in verse 18, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered money. I want you to understand that when, he lay, when they were laying their hands on people, their lives were being changed. Now understand that they'd already received salvation. Man, I feel the presence of God. 
they'd already received salvation, but now the apostles had come into town. Remember, they'd already believed in the baptism of Jesus. They'd already believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd already believed on repentance and forgiveness of sins, and they believed that he was the Son of God. But the apostles came into town and said, hey, I need to tell you about somebody. The somebody I need to tell you about is the Holy Spirit. And as they laid their hands on the people, the power of God began to manifest. And Simon was watching this take place and was like, oh my goodness, I need that power. I want that power. So many in the church today are just like that. They want that power. They want to experience the power. They want to be used in the power. And there's nothing wrong with the power. I love the power too. Ask Pastor Rich. He'll tell you. To the point though where Simon was so desperate for it that he was actually willing to pay for it with money. It says, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, that anyone in whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I want you all to just look at that verse. Leave it on the screen, please. Let's just look at it together. I'll come down and look at it with you. Read what it says. Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Does this sound bad? But the problem with Simon is not what he wants to do. The problem is his motive. The problem is his heart. He doesn't even know the Holy Spirit yet. He has no relationship with the Holy Spirit yet. He has no relationship with God. His desire is the power. To use the power, to give the power, and to, so that people can be touched. Listen, I cannot tell you how many times I've been praying before a service or praying at home and saying, Lord, Lord, I, I pray, Father, that, that this weekend when I, when I minister, that your power will manifest so people can be touched. It's not a bad prayer. But the question is, what's your motive? He's saying, listen, listen, I know sorcery. I know witchcraft. I know what it took to get where I was before. I'm going to take a shortcut. Let me give you some money. And Peter gets upset. Peter immediately recognizes the condition of Simon's heart. I think sometimes we're a little bit too hard on Simon. You must understand his background. You must understand where he comes from. This is what he knows. He doesn't fully understand yet what it cost for that power. Where does that power come from? What is that power? It's not just something you can buy. It's not something to just be used to make you look good. This power is the most valuable thing on earth. So let's take a look at what happens. Hallelujah. Verse 19, give me this power also, that anyone on whom I may lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. I want you to understand something. There is no other way to produce the true power of God except knowing Him, except walking with Him, except having an intimate relationship with Him. Money can't buy it. You cannot manufacture it. The true power of God, when it manifests, when it moves in somebody's life, it's not something that we can create. Worship teams can't create it. Preachers can't create it. It's either there or it isn't. When he's moving, he's either moving or he isn't. Touching lives, delivering lives, saving lives, encountering lives, or he isn't. So we can't do anything, have smoke machines. Listen, the smoke machine is not the glory, it's smoke. <laughs> I remember once I was in a prayer meeting 
And while I'm in the prayer meeting, I begin to hear instruments and voices that are not in the room. And I'm so excited. So I phone my mentor, one of my mentors, and I say to him, listen, listen, I had this, I was in a prayer meeting this morning, and I had this, I was so excited, and I had this encounter, and I get a message, a message back from him that says, been there, got, done that, got the t-shirt. I was so, I was devastated. I was so devastated because I was like, I had this amazing encounter, and now you tell me that. I'll never forget it. But it was a true encounter, and it was so life-changing for me. And there was nothing special that day. We were just seeking the Lord, but He decided to show me something. He decided to reveal something to me. That's real. That's not something you can create or manufacture. And rather let it be real than pretend. Is that okay? All right, let's keep going. So you must understand that this is what happens with Simon the sorcerer. But let's go in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. I want to show you the source of this power. Until you comprehend what I'm going to share with you now, you will never understand this power properly or truly. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. What does that mean? It means that the message of the cross, the message of Jesus' death and resurrection is foolishness to those who do not know him. Those in the world, that's foolishness to them. But to us, who are being saved, watch this now, it is the power of God. The message of the cross, the truth, the message, in fact, the Greek word there actually means word. So it should be written the word of the cross. The word of the cross, the message of the cross, what that, what that is, is it's the power of God to those who are being saved. I don't think you get it. That's why you're not standing on your chair, jumping up and down. You see, when you realize that the cross is where all the power comes from, when you realize it's because Jesus came down, became a suffering servant, went to the cross, the lamb that took away the sins of the world, and then not only did he die, but he had the audacity to rise again. And that same power that raised him from the grave, that power is now moving on the earth. That same power is what delivers you. That same power empowers you. That same power gives you grace. That same power gives you strength. That same power gives you forgiveness. That same power produces healing. You must understand that it's the message of the cross. It's the word of the cross that produces a power which is indescribable. You guys, when, if you, not, when, normally if you come, I'm really calm. You know, it's like old times. But you must recognize that the idea of being saved through a man that gave his life on a cross is foolishness to the people in the world. They cannot fathom that there is a power that is released that saves us, that comes from the cross. They cannot get it. Only God can open your eyes to begin to truly see that. Are you with me? Now watch. Let's go to verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
You see, that's the thing, is that you've got these that have got this wisdom, these that have got all these, this knowledge, and God is saying, listen, I've made foolish the things of this world. What you don't understand is that the, the, the thing that people mock, the thing that people say is impossible, is the very thing that produces salvation, which is a power greater than any other power. Once you were lost, but now you found. Once you were dead, but now you're alive. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now watch, for the Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. These are the two camps. The one camp always wants a sign. They always want to see signs. The other camp always wants wisdom and knowledge. More wisdom, more knowledge, more signs and wonders. Both are not bad, but you must understand that the most important thing is what he's about to share with us. Take a look at this. He says, for since, or verse number two, he says, verse 22, for the, for the Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. What is he talking about? What is he referring to? What is Paul referring to? You see, the Jews actually asked Jesus for a sign. Let's go take a look. Matthew 22, verse 38. Matthew 22, verse 38. And some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Everybody look at me. Paul has told us that the message of the cross is where the power of God is produced. Are you with me? Now, the Pharisees say to Jesus, listen, teacher, show us another sign. Now watch Jesus' response. But he answered them. This is verse, nine, uh, verse 39. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Everybody look at me. If you desire to see God move, it doesn't make you evil and adulterous. But if you seek the sign more than the one from whom it comes, something is out of balance. The Pharisees and scribes were always judging. The Pharisees and the scribes were always testing. They were not interested in the relationship. Now watch what Jesus says. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Well, what is the sign of the prophet Jonah? Watch verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. Woo. I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm only going to give you one sign. That just like it was with the prophet Jonah that was in the belly of the fish for three days, but after the three days, he rose again. I want you to know that the day is coming where the Son of Man will go to the cross and for three days, he will go into the belly of the earth and then he will rise up again. That's the only sign you need. Oh, that's the only sign that you need to produce true power. Oh, when you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's why baptism is so powerful, guys. Because baptism is not only you confirming and giving a symbol of what, what you're agreeing with being baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, but it is also a sign of what's to come for you in the days ahead, for the day will come where you will rise out of the grave. That's why when I get baptized and I go under the water, I'm baptized into Christ. 
I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And one day I too, just like He rose out of the grave, will rise and be given a new body and will serve Him and live with Him for eternity. That's the power I desire. That's the power that we need. Hallelujah. Oh, that's power. That's power to take something that's completely dead in the grave, three days, no life, and suddenly life comes again. And that life then stands up and then he breathes on his disciples and sends the Holy Spirit into all the earth. You wouldn't be sitting here if he didn't do it. That's the power I'm talking about. That's the power that lives inside of you. Oh, come on, somebody. Get to your feet and give the Lord a shout. If you get it, you'll understand. I don't have to wonder if he'll move. I don't have to ask him to move because I know that resurrection power. Now watch. That was not the only time a question like this was asked to Jesus. Give us a sign, Lord. Let's go to John 2, 18. Well, yeah, if I just see Jesus do miracles today, then I'll believe. Listen, I love the miracles. These signs will follow those who believe. It's part of it. I'm John 2, 18. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will rise it up. Woo! Three days. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you rise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said to this to them. And they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. Listen. John doesn't do this any justice. He doesn't do it any justice. Because when that body had risen and they remembered these words, they did a little happy dance. They gave a shout. They celebrated. They remembered what he said. And they knew that he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They knew he was the Messiah. They didn't need another miracle. They didn't need another sign. They didn't need another wonder. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Simon, feed my sheep. At the point where Jesus was standing on the beach with Peter, at that point, Peter was no longer the same because he had experienced a power. He had seen a power that nothing can compare to. How can demonic power compare to the resurrection power? How can demonic power compare to a power that raises Christ from the grave? If you don't believe in this power, you are not saved. Because you must understand, that power is what saves you. The power, you need the power. Power, power, power. Now watch. Now we're going to start the sermon. Amen. <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go back to our scripture in 1 Corinthians 1. We'll pick it up in verse, let's see, verse 23. Now he's told us, the Jews seek a sign, the Greeks wisdom. Now watch, verse 23, but we preach Christ 
crucified. To the Jews, the stumbling blocks, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, I could preach about that, but I'm going to move on. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are. Now watch. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in what he has done. Let him glory in his name. Let him glory in his goodness. Let him glory in his mercy. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was, I was lonely, but now I'm no longer lonely. Once I was in pain, but my heart is filled with joy. Once I was broken, but now I've been put together. Why? Because I know him. Because I know his power. Because I've seen and tasted that he is good. Hallelujah. Now, let's go on to, verse, or to chapter number two. 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 1. We've read this so many times, but maybe have not fully understood the context. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In other words, I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my trust in nothing else but what He did for me, what the cross represents. I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my trust. I came to you not with excellence of speech, not with the wisdom of man, not with my own abilities, not with my own talents. And He had many. He had many guys. But He says, I rather I came to you not knowing anything except... Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. You must understand, even this that I'm preaching to you tonight, only your spirit will get it. And unless you catch this, it cannot change you. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration, watch, of the Spirit and power. He's just told us where that power comes from. He's just spoken to us about that power that comes from the cross. The message of the cross, the word of the cross, that's where this power comes from. And he comes and, he, and when he preaches, he preaches this message and the Holy Spirit begins to move. The, the demonstration of the Spirit began to manifest while he would preach about the goodness of God. That's why the Bible teaches us that the goodness of God leads to repentance. Listen, there is no better goodness than what Jesus did on that cross. When you realize that he died to save a wretch like you and me. And that it was power that was released that took him out of that grave. So Paul's letting us know that, listen, this is the power that I'm talking about. It's the power of the cross, Christ and him crucified. Verse number five, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What power? Resurrection power. 
power that's produced from the cross. That's why Simon the sorcerer didn't get it because he didn't fully understand what Jesus had yet done for him. He was trying to buy this power. Paul knew this power. How come did Paul know this power? Because while Paul was traveling to the road to Damascus to kill Christians, he encountered that power face to face. And that power, when he encountered Jesus, transformed him so much. It changed who he was. It changed the direction of his life. And he fully understood that that Jesus that went to the cross truly did rise from the grave. And the only thing that was able to save him and take him out from being a Christian murderer to becoming a follower of Christ who wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament was that power. That's why he said, I didn't come and preach with excellence of wisdom and all this stuff, but rather I came to preach Christ and Him crucified. That you would put your faith not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We think the power of God is talking about signs and wonders only. It's not. It's talking about that transformational power. That transformational power that comes only from the cross. Without the cross, you would never be able to know the Holy Spirit. So yes, it's the Spirit doing the work, but you must understand, you wouldn't even know Him if it wasn't for the cross. That's why He says that the Spirit and the power. Okay, we'll leave that. Let's move on. Are you guys okay? You all with me? All right, don't worry, we're nearly done. Not really, but we'll keep going. Okay. Let me show you what I mean. Let's go to Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God. What does it do? It's the power of God to salvation. Do you understand would it cost to save you? Do you understand what's working to save you? That's why he says, he doesn't say to those who were saved. He says it's the power of God to those who are being saved because it's a constant thing. You need that power to be produced in your life all the time, every day. I need that power to get me through the day. Trust me, I need that power to get me through the day. I need that power when I pray for someone. I need that power to get me to overcome everything I need to overcome. I need that power to help me when I'm sick. I need that power to, when, when, I, when I lay hands on the sick. I need that power when, when I pray for someone, when I trust God to move on the other side of the planet. I need that power to be produced. It's the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, watch here, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, the power, the source of the power is the cross. The source of the signs and the wonders and the miracles is the cross. The source of the power for all wisdom and knowledge, especially godly wisdom and knowledge, comes from the cross for you and I. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Listen, I'll be all excited by myself. For our, for, for our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men you what kind of men we were among you for your sake the power the, the gospel is not something that can be words only the gospel has to be presented in a way that it's uh, that it produces power that power is what changes us if i preach and call you up or, or, or you give your life to Jesus, there has to be power working or you will not change. That's why when someone gives their heart to Jesus and they truly give their hearts to Jesus, you see that power working immediately because they've begun to understand that goodness. They've begun to understand that mercy. They've begun to understand that love. Okay, one more scripture. Let's go to Ephesians 
Just checking with my wife if she's good. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you and I? For those who believe. Watch. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things, watch her now, to the church. Yay. Yes. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You have to understand that there is a power working on the inside of you. There is a power available, first of all, to change you. When I think about my life and can God do this or can God help me, then I think about the power that took place when Jesus was risen from the grave, the answer is yes. Nothing is impossible. Because what can raise the dead like that? Not after one day, not after two days, but after three days. And then that power was transferred to you and I. Jesus goes and sits at the right hand of the Father, is placed above all power, all principalities, all dominion, and He is the head, you are the body. He has placed all of the other types of power, worldly knowledge, earthly things, whatever, signs and wonders and all stuff under the feet of the church. Come on, somebody. But never be like Simon the sorcerer who desires the power for the wrong reasons, but rather be like Paul that recognized that in his own wisdom and abilities and gifts and talents, there would be no power in that. But in what Jesus did on that cross, there is a power available in you and I that is just so miraculous. There's no other word. It's true dunamis. It's true power that can change anything, any life, any circumstance. Guys, I've, 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 been, I've been around for a little while. Not that long, but a little while. And I've seen God move in the most amazing ways. I've seen supernatural signs and wonders. I've seen bad diseases leave. I've seen incredible miracles. But for me to understand and know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, I have been saved, that I'm going to go to heaven, that my spirit is no longer dead but alive, and I'm a living being again. My inner man is alive again. And I can walk with him and I can hear him and I can talk to him and I can have relationship with him and I can have fellowship with him and I can get to know him and I can learn to love him just a little bit like how he loved me. And out of that recognition and understanding of what was done for me on that cross will flow a power in your life the likes of which you have never, ever, ever, ever seen. I say this, I don't have to see another miracle. I want to, but I don't have to, to be convinced. I can go to heaven right now. I cannot experience anything more. I can go to heaven. I know I've seen that power. 
I want to see more signs and wonders. Believe me, they will come because the Bible says that they'll follow us. That's not the issue. But I don't need more convincing because I recognize what Jesus did for me on that cross. But the more important question tonight is do you recognize it? Do you recognize, do you fully understand or comprehend what it means when he says, I'm not going to put my faith in anything else. You shouldn't put your faith in anything else but the power of God. What power? The power that raised Christ from that grave. Because that's the power of God that leads to salvation. It's that power. It's that power that changes lives. It's that power. I look into the faces of individuals that get saved and begin to walk with Jesus and they look this way in the beginning and now they look something completely different. How did that happen? It's that power. He gives you the power to learn to, to love Him. You can't love Him on your own. And He gave us His Spirit so we would never be alone. That's why never worry about being alone. Because you've been given the greatest, best friend you could ever have. Listen to me. It has to be enough. He has to be enough. And when he's enough, all these things will be added unto you. Because your father knows what you need and what you desire. And he's a good father. You guys, did you get something out of this? Yeah. Amen. All right. Good. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's, let's, let's close our eyes for just a moment. Father, we, in our own abilities, wisdom, talents, giftings, stuff, we can do nothing. But that power that raised Jesus from that grave, that power, Lord, in us, gives us the ability to do anything according to your will. It's our desire, Lord, to be led by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we want to know you more. We want to walk in the Spirit. We want to follow you. We want to listen to your voice. We want to follow you into everything you have for us. I pray this evening, Father, that you open the eyes of the people in this place and those watching online, open their eyes and their ears so that they can see and hear what it is that you're saying this evening. It's not bad to desire to see you move in signs and wonders or to desire to grow in knowledge and wisdom. But Father, I desire, like Paul says, Lord, when he prayed for the churches that they would know you that they would know you more, that they, would, that they would hear your voice, that their eyes and their ears would be opened so that they can see and, and understand your mercy and your love and your goodness. And when we follow you, God, that power will follow us. In our day-to-day -day activities, in, in, in small things and in big things. But it will follow us all the way to the very end of this age and then we will receive in glory a new body and live with you forever I'm so grateful I'm so grateful for that power I'm so grateful Holy Spirit that you are here with us this evening
I'm so grateful, Holy Spirit, for every person in this place. I pray tonight, Lord, that you will touch the hearts of every one of us and that we will have a desire to know you more, Father. And in knowing you, we will begin to see and experience that resurrection power, the power of the cross, the power of that sacrifice, the power of that love, the power of that selflessness, the power of that goodness, the power of that mercy that flows from that cross, the power of that exchange that took place on the cross. You took our sins and made us righteous. You took our unrighteousness and made us righteous. You took our, uh, you, you, it was by your stripes that we are healed, Father. You took, our, you took our shame and took shame on yourself. You have given us everything we need and it all comes from the cross. This evening in the place we are grateful so thankful to you father in the mighty name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus come on let's just raise our hands let's just raise our hands let's just thank him this evening let's just give him thanks for that love let's give him thanks for going to that cross for giving his life to us so that we could live but not only live but live abundantly, live eternally, live forever with Him. Not only live, but live in His power, live in knowing Him, live in growing in the knowledge of Him, live in hearing His voice and being led by Him and walking with Him and knowing Him. Father, we thank You. We love You tonight in this place. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that You will begin to minister to the hearts of every person. My desire, Father, is that they will desire to know You more. The gift of God cannot be manufactured. The gift of God cannot be produced. The power of the Holy Spirit is not something that we create or pay for or buy or try and learn in systems or try and get five points to know. It is a relationship. It's walking with Him. It's experiencing Him. It's, it's knowing Him. It's surrendering to Him. It's being thirsty for Him. It's desiring Him. Father, I pray tonight in this place that You will draw each and every one of us. Lord, let us not look at our sins and our weaknesses and our shortcomings because Your power will just destroy everything everything and every work of darkness and even the lusts of the flesh and, and the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life, they compare nothing to your power, God. So I pray tonight that your power would be released in the lives and the hearts of every single person in this place. Touch them now, Lord. Touch them now, Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, I give you thanks, Lord. I give you thanks, Lord. Fill them this evening. Fill them now in this place. Fill them now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to speak to the Holy Spirit right now. Just begin to say to Him, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Holy Spirit, I want to follow you. Holy Spirit, I want to be led by you. Holy Spirit, I love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for pouring out your life on this earth as a drink offering so that we could, we could experience this grace and this mercy. Lord, I pray that our eyes would always be set on what you have done. Your goodness, your mercy, and your love fill this place. Oh, the presence of God is here. Just surrender, just surrender, just surrender right now. Just surrender, begin to pray. Begin to cry out to him right now. He's in this place. He's in this place. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit.
this evening. Just surrender to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did, Lord, on that cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are the sight. You are the wonder. We can never be the same because of you, Lord. We can never be the same. We can never be the same, Lord. Jesus, you are our sign. You are our wonder. You are goodness and mercy. You are love, Lord. You've done everything we need, Lord. We surrender to you tonight in this place. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Come on, let's worship. Come on, stand to your feet and give the Lord a shout. Come on, stand to your feet and give him praise. What a privilege, what an honor it is. You are so good, Lord. You are so good, Lord. We are so grateful to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Take a seat for just a moment. I'm making you stand and sit down and up and down. And Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember when I was a young man, I would go to services would be services, not all services, but there would be some services that I would go to and I would sit on the edge of my seat and it's like the word that was being preached, it's like I could literally feel that word affecting my life and changing me. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you for more of God? Don't ever become familiar with the presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't know how blessed we are to to know him and to have him in our lives. Amen. Amen. Are you guys okay? All right. Amen. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to open the altar up and I want to pray for you if you if you're here this evening and you just you want to encounter the Holy Spirit, you want to encounter the presence of God, I'm going to open the, the, the altar up and we're going to pray for you. And, and I'm going to um, sort of close the service if you want to go. I'm going to ask you just one favor, please. Be respectful because a lot of people are going to come up and just, if I can ask you, if you're going to leave, just leave. Try not to make too much noise or talk too much. But I'm really trusting the Lord to touch a lot of people now. So, if you need to leave, that's fine. If you want to stay as well, that's fine. We'll see what the Lord does. But if you want prayer, if you want to, if you want to be, just, just experience His presence, experience His power this evening, I want you to come to the front. And the rest of you, God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow morning or next week. Amen. If you're going to come to the front, you need to be desperate. You need to be thirsty.